This is Out in Arkansas with Tracy Berry and Angie Bowen. How's it going, Angie? It's super entertaining right now. Yeah. <laughs> watch Bay play with two new friends and just trying to love everybody all at the same time. It's super it's entertaining. Damn, I mean, it's hard when you're a lover. Isn't it? You know, when you're, when you're a big lover and you have all the love to give to all mm. the people. She's definitely got that. It's hard. And when you have multiple people to give it to. I know. I can only imagine. I know. It's it's gotta be tough. (laughs) It's gotta be tough. Yeah, it's gotta be tough. But it's entertaining. It is entertaining for sure. I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's uh it's been a long week since we met last. Yeah. Yeah. I uh Bailey's attacking one of the guests. Yeah, she's attacking <laughs> one of the guests. By attacking, that usually means Whitlow. hugs and kisses so and love. whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it has long week. It's been a long week. Yep. Yeah, it's been a long week. Um, my partner and I, it was really weird, really weird. Like, in the same day, each of us experienced deaths in either our friend group or our family. Mm. It was really odd, like... Wednesday early, got a phone call, oh my gosh, one of my best friends from Texas unexpectedly died in a car wreck today, and I was like, oh my god, you know, what do you need me to do? I'll be there, I'm I'm right there. We go do our thing that night, before we have dinner, I get a phone call from, not a phone call, but a text from my mom saying, hey, um, your cousin uh, was just killed in a car wreck, kind of thing, I was like, what? Right. It was just. It was weird. It was just really weird, and it was just so. It's just been one thing after another, um, but not to get into anything really quick. But and we have a guest here. Caroline's not coming back. Okay, my God, this is what you do. No, man. But listen, we can tie this in later. Actually, probably. I think we can. We can probably bring it back around. It's been a long week, and yes. I, you know, I'm just thankful to be here and be in front of you guys and able to do what we're doing and, you know, for that to be happening, I feel pretty blessed. So, anyway, hey. Hi. Hey. <laughs> thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, and we finally, bam, we got it together. So. Yes, thank you first for your patience. Yes. Oh, of course. No, yes. I'm a long-time fan, yeah. like I said, so. <laughs> I, I love excited. that. Long-time fan, long-time listener. Uh, yeah, no wonder you're patient. This is a pretty big get, so it you're is. welcome. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might, I Not might. really, but we'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and, so, Carol, why don't you go ahead and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Okay. And kind of, yeah. I'll just get into it. Let's so get I'm, into it. Caroline Earlywine, which I think is, I'm still getting used to the fact that my name rhymes like that. Yes. So. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I am, uh, well, I'm Bonnie's wife, that's one thing, so of yeah. A&B. Like of I'm the fame duo of A&B. Of notorious yes. A&B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a teacher, and I'm an aspiring poet, and yeah, that's yeah. who I am. So, as Welcome. Far, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of this show. We appreciate that very much. So you you knew. Wait, I'm um, sorry. I just have to quit. Go. Okay. Is this gonna be one of those things that you go back and go? 
Yeah, never meet your heroes. It's like, is there going to be a hashtag that's like, never meet your heroes? a memorial, I think, run or hike out at Burns Park for her. And I was yeah. like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what? Right. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Um, it was just a huge shock. Yeah. And such a huge loss. I've been meeting with her every Sunday to write. She's just oh. such a, you know, everybody that's at all involved in the poetry community in Little Rock or Arkansas area has some, just about every one of us has some kind of story and connection with her. And you know, I'm super awkward and super um, shy, but she always was right, like, would always come and find me and make me feel very secure, and she always said yes, and it, I really was lucky that I got to write with her for these past couple months, but yeah, it's just such a huge yeah. loss. It, it, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks, but, yeah. You know, I've, I've been able to go to a few events and hear her, mm-hmm. and um, I was the... I guess host of pub or parish last yeah. year, which she um, read at, mm-hmm. and so it was just it was a shock to me. And so, you know, just I guess for all of you listening that may have known Karen, uh, anyway, just know that our thoughts are with you guys, and of course with Karen's family and you know, all the people that were close to her. So I wanted to say that real quick because I'm glad you yeah I just did yeah it it's was been, it was a shocker mm-hmm. and I didn't know her that well and it was a shocker. But even and that's the thing that people who don't didn't even know her that well like feel that connection with her because she made everybody feel special and mm-hmm. seen and important and she just had that effect on people. She mm-hmm. was a really incredible woman. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I've I've been able to hear you read at a couple of different events and every time I was like wow okay um now yeah, your poems are they can be pretty deep but they're very relatable and they touch um they touch me I know that and so I, you know maybe just kind of speak to let us know a little bit about your story you know sure, we've, yeah. we've been lucky enough to have your wife Bonnie on and yeah. she shared her story with us and mm-hmm. and so um yeah we would kind of kind of we would love to hear your story. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, as far as like the very beginning, um, I grew up in Batesville, which is a pretty small town. Mm-hmm. It's not as small as, you know, it could be, but it's pretty small and pretty conservative. And um, as far as my like childhood and all that, I didn't, I, my biggest thing with my, as far as like my sexuality and my identity as a lesbian is that I've always felt a little bit of an imposter syndrome because there was not a lot of this there was almost no visibility um like what we have now is I'm so excited about as far as like LGBT representation on shows and movies Mm -hmm. and music and all of that there was none of that and so there was like one narrative for what it meant to be a lesbian and I didn't fit that I was not a tomboy I was extremely girly as a kid, and, you know, I just wasn't, I didn't know when I was a kid that I was gay or anything like that, and 
I was also constantly surrounded by a lot of religious rhetoric and talk. I mean, for the you know, kids would debate about religion a lot, and the two big things that they would debate a lot about were that gay people were going to hell mm-hmm. and that women were supposed to be silent in the church. And I was lucky enough to grow up in a church. I grew up in the Presbyterian church, and it was super progressive. I never once sat in a sermon where I listened to somebody tell me that gay people were going to hell. Like, our Bible study, one time we studied with a book that was written by a gay person that, like, directly, um, you know, talked about those passages and talked about why that was not, you know, what we needed to be worried about or thinking Mm -hmm. about. Anyways, but... um, Yeah, at the same time, when I look back, there were some signs, for sure, even though, um, like, I used to tell people that I did not want to get married, ever, and that I wanted to be a mother, but I was going to go to a sperm bank, and I don't think, (laughs) I don't think it's a typical thing for, like, a high school teenage girl to say. That's not to say that automatically meant that I was gay, but that was definitely not, like, I I think even then I could sense, like, because when I look back and I think about dating... All I remember is a lot of anxiety and a lot of, like, oh, I hate this. Like, I could have crushes on boys, but, like, if it became a reality at all, like, if there was a date or something, I hated every second of it. So, Mm -hmm. like, looking back, like, it makes sense. Um, Hindsight's 2020. Right. What? Hindsight's 2020. Totally. Totally. It's also, I tend to tell people, it is 2020, but it's also pretty unfair, right? Because... We tend to judge ourselves then with it, and it's like, but, mm-hmm. but you didn't know. We then. didn't have the yeah. information yeah. then, so you can't like judge yourself based on what you know now. Mm-hmm. You didn't know it then. <sighs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I a lot of times though think like if I could go back, I could do it so much better. But like, <laughs> nah, you know, didn't have the information. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've seemingly done fairly well with the information once you had it, though. Well, thank you. Right. I mean, <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So moving on to college that's when I started to be a little bit more conscious I'd like and and, you know a lot of college is like in high school and just being young is like doing what you think you're supposed to do and like trying society yeah yeah. totally and I did a lot of that and um but I was at that point in college I was starting to I had my first like very conscious crush on a girl and it was like um I didn't really I didn't do anything about it but it was the first time that I was like, okay, this is a crush. This is somebody you actually like. And I wrote about, this is like when I kind of think about my coming out process, I kind of count it as starting then because I wrote about it in my journal. And it was mm-hmm. so like <laughs> funny looking back on because it was so coded and like vague and like pretty much I was just like, there's a girl. <laughs> that's honestly <laughs> dramatic. And that's like kind of all it said. And then I told one of my best friends about it and she was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because she had been telling me for, like, years that I think you you might be a lesbian, just maybe. And I was like, no, I wish I was. I wish I was, but I'm not. And, and, and it's, I, it's weird to me looking back because I didn't have that, like, religious pressure of, like, thinking I, it was wrong. I never thought it was wrong. I argued with those kids in high school. But I, at the same time, like, just didn't, it's like I didn't think I had permission or right. something. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think that I could. Um... But after college, I kind of put it away for like two years. I, did, I got my first job, I moved to central Arkansas, and I didn't date or even like think about it for a couple of years. And I think that was really important time for me to like stop and listen to like my body and my heart and my mind and just like give myself a break from like doing what I think 
thought I was supposed to do. And then eventually I, one more time I kind of dated a guy and he was a really nice guy and it was like, this is good judgment. This is somebody I should like. But the second he like tried to hold my hand, I was like, no, I'm not into it. No. And at that point I had a really good friend who was bisexual and she was dating on um, OkCupid. And you can make yourself invisible to straight people on OkCupid. I don't know if you know this, but that's <laughs> I did not know. It. I didn't know you that. You can. And, that's and I've been on OkCupid. I'm just going to say. You didn't know that you I could make yourself invisible. To There's like a little button, like a, a box that you check. Okay. Ooh, to be invisible. This is like, it's like yeah. a superpower wow. or something. This yeah. is wow. Caroline's um, tidbit. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is the tip. If you didn't helpful know, hints, didn't know. helpful <laughs> hints from Caroline. Here it is. Make yourself invisible. <laughs> so, and I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, but I like made an account and I like started kind of looking around and I talked to some girls on there and nothing. It was like people in like California. Like it was never going to happen, mm -hmm. but I was just kind of like talking and kind of like figuring it out. And um, eventually, um, Bonnie showed up on my. It's kind of a weird story because yeah. it's like the first, it was so quick and the way, natural the way it happened, but Bonnie showed up. She wasn't on my, like, radar because she wasn't in my age range that I had chosen for myself. Because I had, like, it was like you had to be in a year or two. I don't know. Uh -huh. So, yeah. yeah. And her picture was just an eyeball. Like, she had zoomed in on her eyeball. And that was it. And on OK Keep It, you can see when people have, like, been on your profile. Uh -huh. and I was like, who is this old eyeball? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. cute. Is that your pet name now? <laughs> Yo, old eyeball. Hey, old eyeball. Oh, e. Oh, e. Oh, e. ridiculous. But then I clicked the picture and I like read her profile and I was like, oh, I like her. Okay. And so then I made the first move and we talked for like a month, like back and forth, like these messages and we met in real life. And then we started dating and it just kind of happened pretty quickly and naturally after that yeah. and the um like the first time that we kissed especially I was like wow I've never even in minuscule like close to felt that with a guy so mm -hmm. that kind of confirmed it for me and so then I started to panic because I wasn't out to anybody really and I was like she's not gonna want to date me if I'm out not out to everybody she'll never like she'll break up with me right away mm. and so I started like the coming out process pretty quickly after that like told my family and all that and it's kind of funny because she wasn't completely out at the time <laughs> <laughs> but false pressure so I'm sorry so I'm like something <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so and I actually came out as bisexual first mm -hmm. and I think it was you know I've had to really think about why I did that and like what that means I don't know like because mm -hmm. to me it was like a less gay thing okay. which I think I had some biphobic ideas at the time but like at the time it was like this is less gay I can kind of take up this much space and like it was a way for me to kind of ease in and, and maybe other people would be a little bit more accepting yeah yeah mm -hmm. but it's interesting because when I came out to my dad um, I had, by the way, it was like, I'm super privileged as far as like how my family reacted. But one thing that my dad said when I came out as bisexual was like, that must be really confusing not being one or the other. Like, I, I bet it would be easier if you were just one. Like, so I, you must be really confused right now, which I, I was not expecting that. Yeah. So I thought it gave me a lot more like empathy to people who are coming out as like bisexual as like, 
getting, you know, pressure to be one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that whole greedy narrative, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's all that. Not, but I would also say that um, <clears throat> Bonnie's older than you, I'm way older than you. <laughs> and I think that that's pretty, that's a pretty common narrative. I think for people our age and older, like do the stop off on buy mm-hmm. before you just, it's sort of like toe in and test the waters thing. Right. This is not me saying you can't, like bisexuality is not a terminal point on sexual orientation. I'm not saying that. Totally, yeah. I'm just saying that I think it's a pretty typical yeah. narrative to kind of be like, I think, I mean, but I think I like both. Yeah. And then... Yeah, the toe in, and it's like, oh, yeah, no. No, 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 just Just the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's a pretty common, yeah, just sort of like testing the waters kind of thing. And just, again, I don't know that, I don't think anybody's deceptively doing that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I would never suggest that you or anybody else was. But it's like, I mean, but I don't know, right? Like, I, I can't say that I'm definitively not at all attracted to men, so I think both. Right. And some of it is still fighting fighting, whatever, um, that heteronormative narrative that hangs out there. That's, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Cause it's a little bit scarier to go all the way. It is. Yeah. yeah. And I think there is, like, a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure to have a de- definitive label right then. And I wish, like, if I could go back, I would say, hey, you don't have to know right now exactly what your label is. You know you're not straight. That's enough for now. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, at the time, it felt like I had to have a label. And that was, like, felt like a safer label for whatever reason so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so then eventually I came out as lesbian and then I found myself I was in my first job and I was a public school teacher yeah. and I was like okay this is kind of a tricky spot to be mm-hmm. because as you know like the training that you get before your teacher is often like I every teacher I've talked to has had some kind of like teacher or professor tell them like okay if you have that quote-unquote lifestyle Mm -hmm. you can have that but you can't say like be out as a teacher you can't Mm -hmm. you will not be able to keep your job Mm -hmm. and when I was in college and I was getting my teaching degree I had a professor who told me something similarly but it was in a supportive way so I did a um my like when I got my master's for teaching I did a thesis like a research paper on homophobic rhetoric in the classroom, like, and how teachers dealt with it, and I still wasn't out at that time, which I think is really funny. Oh, wow, yeah. But um, my professor at the time told me, yeah, and, and he was talking about a student teacher like me who he had, who was a lesbian, who he had to, like, talk to about, like, what, are you, what to wear in the interview, what not to wear, what to say, what not to say, wow. because he wanted her to get the job. But he didn't think he could, he could, she could get the job, you know, being who she, being out. Yeah. 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 So that was really, I was, so got to a point where I was out with my family. I was out with my friends, but I wasn't out at school. Mm -hmm. And that created a lot of anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously fear of like losing my job if it came out, but also like feeling a lot of guilt for not being out. Yeah. Because my first teaching job was ninth grade, and what what was so crazy to me is that there were so many ninth grade students I had who were LGBT and out, and like I mean I, I guess it's a testament to like visibility and how the times changed, but like mm-hmm. so, like when I went to high school there were like two, 
and like I had like 10 in my class like scattered throughout my classes who were out and then more that weren't out um, mm-hmm. openly in that way like there were I had a, stu- a girl ask another girl to homecoming in my class. I had yeah. students dealing with parents who weren't supporting them, and, but they were still, you know, out and dealing with it and trying to be true to themselves and all that stuff. So I felt guilt that I wasn't out for them. Like, mm-hmm. look at what they're doing, and I'm not out for them. And then also I felt guilt about not being out for straight, my straight students who were, um, you know, to be like that human element, like to be put a face to the community, mm-hmm. the ones who maybe are saying, like, that's so gay and all of that stuff, and to be, like, to humanize it a bit for them. Right. So I felt a lot of guilt, a lot of anxiety every day. And I also worried about, like, not being in control of the situation because one time, like, one time A and, a and B had a show mm. at Dugan's, and one of my students and his dad was having dinner, and it was just crazy to me that, like, mm-hmm. how that could happen and one time we were at Hillcrest at like a farmer's market holding hands and then 10 minutes later I saw a student and I worried that so I hated that like yeah yeah just always worrying Mm -hmm. that it was going to come out Mm -hmm. and I and I also like was getting to we were getting to a point where I was like I know this is like this is who I want to spend my life with like I don't want to have to live like half a life like and because other teachers, like, you know, being a teacher, like, mm-hmm. students are curious about who you ask, are. Yeah. Yeah. They'll ask you about, so, are you dating anybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, a, as an ALE director, and even before I, I was the ALE director, you know, my students were like, so, I mean, do you have a boyfriend? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I don't. Well, do you have a girlfriend? Oh, they'd ask you that? No, I don't. You know, yeah, they, they mm-hmm. would just flat out ask me, and I never felt comfortable, you know, and, it's the the superintendent, um, who I first worked under, at my the last school district that I worked in, was a lesbian, mm. and she was forced to resign, not long after I started there. Wow. And so it was definitely you know something that I was never gonna mm-hmm. bring out. Right. You know, and then and then it gets to things like where they have staff parties or like Christmas parties, and it's mm-hmm. like bring your spouse or bring whoever, and it's like. <laughs> Nope. Not my whoever. I never went. So it's yeah. it's like I felt like I could really never isolated. be completely, like, really in with my coworkers and put myself fully into the environment because I had to hide. And I never lived in the city in which I taught. Yeah. In Little Rock, I never lived in Little Rock. In Bentonville, I lived in Springdale, not Bentonville. Mayflower, I never, 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 like, never wherever I coached, I, I lived yeah. in a different, like at least forty-five minutes away. So mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want all that stuff. Yeah, because you know, and I don't ever remember. And of course, when when I was in college, getting my you know my my bachelor's degree in education, I was still married at the time. I didn't get divorced until right before I graduated, and so it was never really something in my mind until the first job that I had and then I met my first girlfriend Mm -hmm. and so then it was like oh you know I you know I couldn't I never felt comfortable being my complete authentic self where I worked and it's so stressful Mm because like with students like there of course there are boundaries but it's a different kind of relationship you have with students like a lot of times like you're a bigger support for them than their parents are sometimes Mm -hmm. and like they for you to be human and show like parts of yourself like 
as, as basic as like your partner or like your wife or your husband like mm -hmm. every other teacher does that like and I the teacher next door to me I remember like on her lunch break once like her door was open my door was open and I heard students ask her like well what do you think about gay marriage she was like I just followed the bible on that one and then she took a phone call from her husband and said something cute and everybody was like oh and I was mm -hmm. like Oh, yeah. It's just so frustrating. I could never do that. And I'm not saying I would want to, like, do that. But the fact that she can and, it, you know. And, and it's it just, completely yeah. fine. And never hesitate. Mm -hmm. But I live in, like, constant fear of, like, mm -hmm. being outed and, and wanting to be out. But, like, being afraid and, like, just, yeah. It's mm -hmm. just, and I had students ask me before I was out, like, even before I was, like, completely out to myself, I had, like, a student leave a note on my desk asking if I was gay. Like, I had a lot of, like, kind of weird questions like that. Mm, yeah. And I didn't really understand why. And I thought it was because I made a deal about, like, you don't use groups of people as insults at the beginning of the year. And I included that's okay. And that was the most common one. So I thought maybe that was it. And then also looking back, though, a friend of mine who teaches, um, he had his students write about, like, an influential person in their reading and writing. And a every student wrote about me and he like showed me the essay and like the way she described me was that I um, had tattoos, short hair, and wore tomboy clothes. Oh. So looking back with that, like, okay, can you yeah. see that a little bit? But it's funny because like I don't get those questions now as much as when I was closeted. Like it's mm -hmm. like almost they can sense that something's up. And like sometimes it's genuine curiosity, like they just maybe they themselves are LGBT, the students, and then sometimes it's them being kind of malicious or trying to be funny mm -hmm. and not realizing that it's not, it's kind of cruel what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So eventually what happened is um, I got involved with the GSA, the Gay Straight Alliance mm -hmm. at our school, as one of the co-sponsors, um, and a student found out that I was. And so in the middle of class, he was like, oh, are you gay? You help out with that? And he had no, like, he, I don't think he was trying to be hurtful or anything or, like, and he trying was, to out you or anything. no, yeah. he was not expecting the answer he got, because what happened was I was like, okay, so I said, well, first of all, you don't have to be gay to help out with the Gay Straight Alliance, mm -hmm. and also, it's not really, because straight's in the title, yeah, it is, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm just saying, that could uh -huh. be a thing, and also, like, you don't want to ask somebody that out in a group like this, because you could out somebody who doesn't want to be out, and it's not safe for them, but, yeah, I am gay. And then I didn't really have a plan after that, so I just, <laughs> I just turned around. I would and say I, very well done. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's it was, I, it was that, was that well simple. Done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I turned around and I like kept teaching, and his jaw was kind of on the floor, like he wasn't really expecting yeah. that answer. But I was like, okay, all right, I just did that, all right. And so there were like little whisperings, and so I went home and I was like, well. I'm gonna like acknowledge it in a small way with my other classes. I just want to see because I wanted I wanted to see what would happen if yeah. if it got around. I wanted to know like what if, if the whatever the worst consequence was. I kind of wanted it to happen. Yeah, yes. just yeah. so I know. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next day, I the last like minute or two of every class, I was like, okay, so this thing happened yesterday, which I mean, probably most of them had already heard. And mm -hmm. I was like, um, a student asked me if I was gay because I help out with the GCA, GSA and I gave the same little spiel about you don't have to be gay to help out with that you don't want to out people and I said but you know actually I am gay and I didn't want to um, you know me not saying that would suggest that I'm ashamed of who I am and I'm not I know that make, may make some of y'all uncomfortable but I don't think it's going to affect how I teach you English in our time here so 
anyways, that's it. And that was all I said. Yeah. <laughs> and I got an array of reactions. Um, I got like some students really excited and asked me if I had a partner. I was like, well, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. And then I. Bone grease kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had like a student burst out laughing. And um, I, but I also had students after almost every class, just one or two of them quietly come up to my desk and just say, thank you. And I'm gay too. And wow. the ones that maybe weren't as overtly out. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so that was. That was a cool experience. I didn't get fired. So I yeah. was like, I was cool. Were you sitting there waiting to be called to the principal's office? But yeah. totally yeah. different. Yeah, a little totally bit of stress and anxiety. Yeah. 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 But the next year, <laughs> it continues. I kind of have three coming out stories uh, as a teacher. The second, well, it, oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, but it's like fine. one of those things that we, I think we've talked about it before, but I'm never going to miss an opportunity to go, the coming out thing is not just once. Oh, God. Yeah, right? So once. there are a lot of people that mm -hmm. think that it's just one time. Mm -hmm. Like, well, here's my coming out story. We have to do it a series of times, mm -hmm. like different groups of people. Anytime you start a new job, anytime you like, there's not a singular coming out story. I think that any of us have. I think it's kind of um, repetitive to say the least. Totally. Mm -hmm. So to say three is like, I just want to again. I'm not going to let those things go by without going. P.S. I don't know of anybody that has just one because yeah. all the time. Yeah. I just mean three big ones in the school. Yes. I come out yeah. all the time. Like, yeah, I yeah. yeah. But of course, that first time is always memorable because yeah. it's kind of, you get more comfortable with it as you go, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, second time, I moved up a couple grades. I was teaching 11th grade. Whole new curriculum. Um, and I didn't make a big announcement about it. Like, some of the kids knew. I was like, whatever. I'm, and, um, I was teaching a unit on romanticism, and we had just read um, Self-Reliance, talking about individualism, the kids were hating it, and we needed to do research. I was like, okay, why don't we connect this research question about like individ maintaining individualism in a democracy, like it was 2016, mm -hmm. all these marches were going on. Wow. I was like, well, we yeah. can research like these marches, I had some research questions, and I was like, we can like learn how to use good sources and like connect it to these ideals of romanticism. I was like, I, I like showed it to one teacher. And I was like, this is fine. Um, just to make sure and I was like, okay, whatever. And I did it, taught the lesson at the end of the day. Um, and of course the marches, by the way, like there were obviously some more quote unquote liberal things going on. Like the list, it was like the women's March, the science yeah. March, the mm -hmm. LGBT March, all that stuff. So at the end of the day, a student comes by and says, um, you're on the radio. And I was like, what? And she's like, I don't know. A student, so my friend just told me. I was like, okay. And then my principal came by and told me that as the student had, like, emailed, taken a screen, screenshot of the lesson for the day and sent it to this conservative radio show and that they were talking about the lesson. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I didn't, I showed him the lesson. I was like, here it is. And he was like, no, that's fine. You're fine. It's, but don't, like, engage with it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I tune in after school, after he leaves, and the first thing I hear is, this teacher is um, marrying a woman and, and indoctrinating her students with the gay liberal agenda and like all this stuff. And that radio station talked about me for like three days. Oh, wow. It was crazy. And then they, on the, their website, they had taken a picture of my my picture and then on my Facebook what had happened is they researched me they got on Facebook and mm -hmm. my stuff's pretty private but 
I had just gotten engaged and like those big life events are not private mm -hmm. and like I didn't want it to be I was kind of out at school I wasn't trying to hide it mm -hmm. so um, they'd taken a screenshot of the engagement like the fact that we were engaged and of my picture and the imp bonus but they like blurped out her face for, and they posted it on their website and there were all of these comments and um, I got messages and people saying I should be fired and I will say though for I'll, there were many comments, maybe half, like it, maybe it was almost half and half comments of people defending me. So it wasn't all negative. Yeah. But, yeah. So that happened on a Friday. Wow. And so then that whole weekend, I was just watching everything yeah. kind of happen. You become kind of obsessed about it too. Yeah. I mean, because well, I mean, that's yeah, your, what are you going to walk job, back your, into? You know, your livelihood, your, I mean, all mm -hmm. kinds of things. Yeah. You get blindsided once, you won't be blindsided twice. Not within like three days span. So yeah. you end up just kind of obsessively watching it. Oh, I like, was. What fresh hell awaits me on Monday? Uh -huh. More than the usual Monday wow. fresh hell. Exactly. Yeah. So I was pretty stressed. And I also was, 2016, I think for so many people, was like a really hard year. And mm -hmm. that, was, that was a hard year for me. Like I was having some like major health problems. My aunt had died and like I was teaching a new curriculum and it was like being a first year teacher mm -hmm. all over again and then that happened. So it was a lot. And so... I was like, what am I supposed to say to those kids on Monday? And I feel like so many times as a teacher, you're supposed to have these like magic movie moments where mm -hmm. you say these amazing things. And I like did not have it in me. I was like, I don't, first of all, I don't know if I have a job anymore. And second of all, I just, I just can't right now. I just can't. So I, got, I get to school Monday and right away my principal scoops me up and like takes me to this room. And then there's like the superintendent and everybody and they brought me donuts, and um, they tell me like they're I'm not in trouble, and they're just checking on me. Wow! So wow. super supportive. Yeah. yeah, like super supportive. Yeah. So I went back to my classroom and I reiterated the purpose of the assignment and what was not the purpose of the assignment, and I continued teaching. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like acknowledge. And I don't. My students at that point did not know. Um, they don't, except for maybe the student that I'm like you know sent it in I don't think many of them had heard so it was kind of went on like normal mm -hmm. from there mm -hmm. but I had a lot of like teachers and a lot of people check on me at school so wow. that was pretty cool yeah that is cool mm -hmm. you know because I think in so many instances especially in more rural yeah. Arkansas um you know that's a little less the case of course yeah. you know and I hate to put that I mean because I'm sure that there are teachers I mean, not to say that Hot Springs is rural, but, you know, I know of middle schools and high schools that, that surprisingly to me have GSAs there, you know, and a few other schools. I think Russellville has a GSA, and for me, it's like, wow. I mean, I expect it from places like Little Rock or, you know, really, I can't even, when I think of it, I'm like, or what Little Rock, or Little Rock, or Little Rock, um, but, you know, in so many North Little Rock, but then it's not just no. the GSAs, but it is, it's, it's also the staff, people that you work with, because, you know, I mean, everybody has their own views and differing beliefs, mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's tough to, to deal with, so, you know, thankfully that you have a supporting, yeah, that support around you. I'm really work. Yeah. thankful that I had that. Mm -hmm. It could have gone a completely different direction, mm -hmm. but it didn't. So also, mm -hmm. I would like to say before we go to number three, um, 
Caroline, I feel like you sell yourself short because you could totally do a Michelle Pfeiffer Dangerous Minds kind of situation. <laughs> I feel like you could totally pull that off. I mean, I don't know. That's just my observation. I was like, right? I mean, it's just a vibe. Like, you could have done that. I mean, you're welcome, Bonnie. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Just in case anything comes up in the future, start, like, crafting some speeches, because you could totally pull it off. All right. You could Michelle Pfeiffer the hell out of that, you bet. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a bite of my pasta. <laughs> yeah. It's your faux pasta. This is my faux pasta. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Awesome. Yeah, like right? It. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's probably mm-hmm. better when it's warm, but, I mean, you do you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing me. I like code. I like code pasta. I do. Okay. I do. Well, and Grandma Mom always said and, it takes all kinds. Uh, so, <laughs> get it. You know, and, and so, you know, with that being said, I mean, I was in education for 14 years in three different school districts in, in Arkansas, probably of any of them. For me, I taught in Little Rock, Bentonville, and Mayflower. Um, for me, like, at the beginning of my even awareness of myself. I was in Little Rock schools and I had students at that time, which was early 2000s. That's where I first met Bonnie. Central. <laughs> Coach Barry. <laughs> um, Coach Barry. You know, I'm, 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 you know, I had. <laughs> sorry. 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 Around. Yeah, I hid. I hid in the gym most of the time. Um, excellent cover. I know. Excellent cover. <laughs> <laughs> But I, you know, I, I have kids that, I mean, there was a student that cross-dressed at the time, and there was um, students that weren't quite out, but maybe I could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were you probably even a, a suspected. Yes, I suspected. And there were even maybe a couple of staff members that were, but I was still, like, accepting myself and not really even sure of where I was yeah. at that time. And then, of course, I moved up to Bentonville and then completely, like, with my first girlfriend. Yeah. And I coached with her and I taught up there, but there was no way that we were going to be, like, out. Even though we're, like, I was her assistant coach. Okay. And we lived Again, we excellent were comfort. We were roommates. <laughs> you. Like, oh, no, no, man. no. I mean, we're just the best friends. I mean, living there, we're roommates. You are a genius <laughs> at cover stories. Like, that is amazing. I hid in the gym, (laughs) and I was my girlfriend's assistant coach, and we lived together, but subterfuge, man, you are all about it. Check you out. I mean, I got better. The third school district, completely out of sight, and of course, yeah, none of that. Um, I did have one of the, uh, someone I was dating at the time came to a couple of volleyball games, so I'm sure there was a lot of talk, but nothing ever came directly to me. Right. But, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it was 14 years. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was completely out of education, of course, the co-host of a radio show called The Big Gay Radio Show, <laughs> you know, that I was completely out to anybody and everybody that I came across her in my life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm... For you to be able to do that, I mean, that takes a lot of courage, you know? It takes a lot of courage to be here right now, telling your story to who knows is going to listen or, you know, or whatever. I mean, and Angie and I try to encourage people to, you know, send it in or 
let us know. We'll share your story, and, and it's hard. It really is it hard. Is. And so, thank you for being here tonight well, to do that. And you know, something. Thank you, but like something I've been thinking a lot about is just how much privilege I have in my story, and like the fact that the exact time that I wanted to get married, marriage equality passed, and the fact that I could come out at a school where I was not going to be fired and like ostracized and all that, like, and yeah, there's a lot. Like, I'm just. And they brought you donuts. They brought me donuts. I know, not I me. Mean, I think I was like too nervous to eat them, so I gave them to my kids. Yeah. It was a nice, it was a nice gesture. gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, I just don't want to vomit, but thank you for the donuts. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That does not ease the anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the last time I came out at school, well, the last like official time was that summer I got married and at the beginning of every school year um, teachers send in pictures of like hey fun stuff you did over the summer and they do the slideshow with um, all the teachers and like it's a lot of weddings and like babies and trips and I was like well I got married I want to use like send in my picture like a wedding picture I, but I did hesitate cause I, and I was like do I really want to like draw attention to myself again mm. in that way mm -hmm. but then I was like if I was straight like I wouldn't even think about it so I sent it in because I also had a name change and I was like well people need to know about that and so like when the picture came up like the room like burst out in applause and it was oh, wow. it really I wasn't expecting that I didn't know there was some like that maybe didn't support but that's not what you, need, you yeah. think about like overall it was really supportive and I had um uh, a teacher who I'd never spoken to come up to me the next day and like say I just want to shake your hand my wife and I like we're talking about how brave you are and it just mm. I was again I feel like kind of guilty now telling the story because it's like kind of fairy tale it's not the reality in so many ways but I am extremely lucky that that's what my story was mm -hmm. there yeah well and I think that's not a thing to feel guilty about if anything to me, because I've shared similarly, right, like the most controversial thing about my coming out was um, the conversation of semantics I had with my dad, where he said, well, I assumed. I said, no, whoa, dude, don't assume, suspect. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I mean, semantics. I'm like, no, it's not. No, those things mean, those words mean different things. Yeah. Like that was... That was the controversial part. Mm -hmm. But instead of feeling <laughs> guilty about it, God, like, I think people need to also understand that that's a reality that happens for some people. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it is such a big and scary and sometimes terrifying thing that a lot of times, like, that fear gets so much bigger and that becomes almost the only outcome that we see. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I was terrified to tell my parents, to be like, oh God, I'm the oldest, it's this, it's that, like all the stuff, right? And the most controversial thing that happened was an argument over semantics. So I think people need to know that it could actually go that way too. Yeah. Right? And I think that's not a thing to feel guilty about. It's, I think we feel guilty about it if we don't acknowledge the privilege in it. Right. Right? But I think so long as you acknowledge the privilege in it, like there's nothing to feel guilty about. Like it's, we're very fortunate, but the fact that we can acknowledge that we're fortunate and acknowledge that not everybody has that path, that's not a thing to feel guilty about. I think we're just like, oh, yeah, it was no big deal, and so I don't know what your problem is, why you don't do it. That would be a problem. Right. Right? But to go, yeah, I thought it was big and scary, but then, God, mine was, yeah, really not that eventful. I think it's important for people to hear 
those stories too. Right. That it is possible to come out and be met with donuts and applause. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible. Mm -hmm. It is possible. It is possible. It happens. It, happens. it does. Well, and and beyond, you know, your coming out story, just you being able to do that and you being able to be open with your students. I mean, you automatically got positive, I guess, feedback or uh, from that students then feeling comfortable to say, hey, you know, this is me and where I'm at, where, you know, they're they're having to hide that not only from their classmates, from but from their teachers. Right, yeah. And their family, you know, mm -hmm. but this is another person that they now can feel comfortable being themselves around. Right. Safe. Which, you became yeah, a safe, safe person. A safe, yeah, a safe Sometimes, person. I mean, similarly, right, I think that there are some times where I know I'm the only safe, the only safe person for a lot of people. I think mm -hmm. similarly, you became the first and often only safe person for those kids. And I think that that's, yeah, nothing to feel guilty about. That's usually privilege in ways that I think we should. Mm-hmm. That's just my endorsement of you, so good job. Well, yeah, good job. yeah, good job. I mean, because I think, you know, and, and these are young kids, whereas, you know, us growing up, um, or maybe not us completely in the way that we grew up, but, like, uh, there was no way on earth. And there were people that were out, you know, but I also saw the way that they were bullied and the way they were talked about by others. And um, that scars people. Mm-hmm. You know, for a really long time, and sometimes people it scars them so much that they don't ever find a way to deal with it. Right. And in a way, and so not a that way. that or not a healthy way, and that that what seems like such a small thing can actually be a huge thing over time for someone. You know, I uh, so my my cousin that that passed away this past week. She just turned twenty one, mm -hmm. and she was my second cousin. So her mother is my cousin. And there was a passenger in the car with her that was transgender. Oh. And um, that person had been disowned, disowned by their family. And was living with, I think, a transgender couple um, where they live. And I don't want to talk about locations or anything like that. Yeah, but, you know, and there, there was a lot of talk around just within my family it was what I thought through this whole experience and I'm kind of I'm not getting off but I'm maybe getting off a little bit but my mom so we had a phone call you know because she was like just telling me this stuff and I was okay and then you know the family we don't know if anybody's going to take care of the funeral for this person and and so she called me and, and I you know I've talked a little bit about my mom on this program um because I don't think it's that she doesn't necessarily agree with my lifestyle. Um, I, I said lifestyle. With me as a person or um, who I choose to love or who I love. All the words. I can't even talk now. Um, but who you are. Who I am. Thank you. Angel. You're welcome. I'm, I'm here for you. Know, all I'm the, here for you. Um, but in that conversation, my mom was like talking to me and almost getting frustrated with herself. For not knowing exactly what to say or the terms to use. Mm -hmm. Where I think prior to this, she may have just been like, well, you know, calling she a he. And not really even 
thinking twice about it, but just saying, Tracy, I'm not really sure what to say right now. I don't know if I should say she or he or they. And I was like, Mom, it's okay. You know, but, you know, after I think you should say they or she. It was a male-to-female transgender person, and so there was a little bit of education mm-hmm. in that conversation surrounded, um, you know, by the death of my cousin. And so, but for me, that was a big deal that my mom even asked oh, the for questions. Because sure. yeah. I never even thought, even with my radio show, because I don't think she listens to it, or even with this podcast, I don't think she probably listens to it or pays a whole... A lot of attention because I don't feel like I can really talk about it around her. But for her, obviously she's paid attention to something. Yeah. Because for her, just to ask those questions meant a lot to me. Yeah. And, um, but I, so there's that with my family and my mom. And I think, okay, that's a positive. And maybe there's a little bit of a shift happening here within my family. Um, but then it was like, also her realizing that this happens on a daily basis that kids are turned away and they don't have their family and I started telling her about some of the history like Stonewall Mm -hmm. and then the the gay club that was burned down in New Orleans that a lot of people don't know about you know where several people lost their lives and and whoops i get busy with my hands i'm sorry um, do and uh i got it you know and so families that um wouldn't identify their loved ones mm. you know because people that went there secretly because they couldn't be out to their families and then once this happened all they knew is they had a family member that had you know, not come home mm-hmm. or disappeared. And then at one point in time when they finally were, it was brought to their attention that, okay, we've identified this person. This is your family member. And they like, refused to acknowledge them, mm-hmm. you know, and wouldn't have a burial. And then I told her the story about um, the uh, cemetery that is here in Hot Springs that I don't think a lot of people know about and I feel really bad right now because I've had a rum drink and a few beers before I got here <laughs> and so but I can't remember the name her name right now but she's from Arkansas she lives in Rogers and um in the 80s when the AIDS epidemic was a big deal she just happened to be in the hospital and come across the room of a young man that was dying of AIDS and did not have any family members that were there with me. And so, not the step in okay. different, um, but she would, so she stayed, so she would come back and stay with him. Mm-hmm. And then once he passed, you know, the family wouldn't acknowledge. And so her family had a plot of land in Hot Springs. Mm-hmm. And she used that land to then have funerals and to bury those young people or people that passed away from AIDS when their families wouldn't bury them. They didn't acknowledge them. And so, you know, I was telling her, like, this isn't new, unfortunately, but it, and, and it's, and unfortunately, it hasn't changed. This still happens, right. you know? And, um, and I think, again, until people, I think, experience it, even though that person was not our family member because it happened 
in relation to a death in our family. Um, it hits home yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then, I'm sorry. I think that that's, you know, it starts to become a little bit more of reality for people, mm-hmm. you know, and and I know I kind of left it there a little bit, but no, I just all that happening this week was like, I wasn't here to oh, guide you, my bad. You weren't here to guide she's, she's yeah, I think it's that, like, whole familiarity is the gateway to empathy, that whole idea that, like, I think that's why, if possible to be out, why that's so important to be out, mm-hmm. like, because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because it's it's not as easy for a lot of people, and so right. you know I think um, I think even through that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of my family on that side, or really on either side of my family, that are super conservative, and there are a lot of times when you know I've given the choice to to go home for a holiday or not, if I have another option. I do the other option because I can completely be myself with that other option, whereas the other, I'm there and they may know, but it's not something that I could really talk about. Right. You know, when I go home, I'm not going to talk about, oh, yeah, I'm still doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this, that, and the other. It's more like, oh, yeah. Because you would have to bring it up, and then, like, the response, Mm -hmm. you would feel like you were... I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it's like this taking up more space than you need to, or something, because it wouldn't be received. Mm-hmm. 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 And so I think for me, like as many people in our lives, you know, especially for those who can't be out completely, as many people in our lives that we can relate to and can be around on a daily or even you know whatever basis is the better because that gives gives us or even them a little bit more hope to be able to get through each day and know that it gets better yeah and that eventually you know you'll be able to be that complete authentic self you know because so many of your kids they can't they can't you know they can't i mean you're you're kind of under the the role of your of the household that you live in and, and and even the the, the kids that you run around with and their families, you know, and so it's to be able, you you've kind of are able to be that little bit of relief for them. Yeah, yeah and our, so in the club now, in the GSA club now, so many of the kids have to, I have students who like lie to their parents, have to lie to their parents to even to take go. part in the club, and it's yeah. like at 7.30 on a Thursday morning, so like it's not like, but they can't be honest with their parents about it and they can't like wear the t-shirt or buy the t-shirt or all of that so yeah they definitely it's it's a lot of their experiences but but one thing we did this year that any teacher could do that's really simple is have you ever heard of glisten Uh uh-huh yeah Mm -hmm. I just now have like gotten like really and like involved in researching them but they have these safe space stickers that you can buy or you can print them off and I like teamed up with our librarian and she printed them off in color and laminated them so technically they're not stickers but you tape them Mm -hmm. but like that's because our students this year in the GSA club one thing they talked about was they were like well sometimes we have some bad experiences with teachers who we try to confide in and then they out us to our parents and then it's a horrible situation and so they need to know but we have a lot of teachers who are allies at our Mm -hmm. school Mm -hmm. but they need to know who they are and so really simple ways with those 
stickers. So we got we got those around this mm, year yeah. at the school. So that's one good thing we did. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, they just came out with a. Glisten just came out. Arkansas Times posted it. I guess two. No, it was probably three or four weeks ago. Um, as far as just. They have a survey that they... They do a national school safety national yeah, school survey safety. every yeah. year. Thank you, yeah. Angie. She's, I'm, I'm telling she's you. She's coming in. She's coming <laughs> in. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. Every year. And then, so I can actually remember when I wrote my first thesis. And it's, I don't even know why I wrote two. Because I only got one degree. But anyway. <laughs> I just have a lot of interests. In <laughs> um, one of them, um, and that was a long time ago. But I remember finding it, and at the time that they, I mean, they were still publishing them annually. However, there was not actually enough. Like, there wasn't, every state did not have enough respondents, and sometimes states had zero respondents mm -hmm. for this national survey. And I can remember within the last probably seven or eight years um, that Arkansas has actually been included. Like, they've had enough data to actually be included in it. They've had enough respondents. And mm -hmm. a lot of that actually came from the establishment of GSAs in a bunch of schools around mm -hmm. the state. Yeah. So, but I can remember a time when Arkansas it clearly wasn't the only state that didn't have respondents, mm -hmm. but I can remember a time when not every state did. Like, we didn't have data for every state, and now we actually do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember y'all posted on your Facebook, because I'm a fan, right? Long-time fan, long-time fan. That just the presence of a GSA at a school, like, lowers suicide rates mm -hmm. at schools. And that, you know, because sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough at our school, like, in, you know, activities or things with the club, but just the fact that we're visible, mm -hmm. that we're involved, that we're, that, that made me feel good, that that's just by existing. Mm -hmm. It's making an impact mm -hmm. yeah even when um so students even when they see those stickers even if they never stop into that teacher's room or office or anything just the fact that they see those stickers makes that automatically a much safer environment than it was before those stickers were present even if they never like if they are not yet at the point where they feel comfortable or safe in disclosing to anybody mm -hmm. just seeing the stickers go oh this is a safer space than what i recognized yeah mm -hmm. And it also makes it just very easy for the teachers because the teachers don't have to like make a big announcement or like do, you know it's just it's there mm -hmm. it's visible it's mm -hmm. like it's speaking for them kind of mm -hmm. yeah yeah which is so important you know because I've uh, you know I've started my second master's at the Clinton School of Public Service in this course that I'm in each week the assignment builds on the previous week and it's all about like programming planning and like if you were to apply for funding for for a grant or anything like that and different things you have to do in the steps and so I just like you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with LGBT youth suicide in Arkansas and so I thought yeah I'll be able to find all the information right I'm in the know on that kind of stuff or whatever and there's hardly really any statistics out there yet and it's like Angie has pointed out on I think several different or maybe a couple different shows um, or episodes, is that unfortunately the data the the data 
this high period. You know, we might not be able to find it for Arkansas, but we can find it for other states. Mm -hmm. But probably not as high as it actually is because so many kids are never out or identify as. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a whole other thing is like the the GSAs being able, and hopefully by the time, you know, that's a thing, the numbers will be lower anyway because of what we have going on at places like your school and others, um, making kids feel more safe where they're at. And, you know, and that's what schools should be doing anyway for all of their students. Like, they're supposed to be a safe place Mm -hmm. for kids to come and learn, you know, and, and be kids. I think yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just too. I think for a lot of people, it like GSAs and just like any LGBT identity is like automatically politicized, mm-hmm. which is I think ridiculous. And I think that's well. I think so. That's actually why I think a lot of schools are going away from calling it GSAs for that very reason. And so they have, and now I've got one of my friends who has a um, teenage daughter. It's been a couple years since we've had this conversation, or at least a year since she and I have talked about it. But the club at the school that her daughter attends, it's not called a GSA, but it's basically a GSA. So but they go with a different like prism or something like I forget the neutral. Yeah, names. it's, and I know that prism like they have that at UCA, so I know oh, that prism okay, is a thing that they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so even at middle school and high schools, like they're going away from calling it a GSA. Like, in title, because it's been so politicized. Mm-hmm. But in functionality, it's pretty much the same. They're just calling it... An, yeah, I can't remember what it mm-hmm. is. But they're going away from the GSA mm-hmm. as in title, but it remains kind of in functionality. I have mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. Um, but I think we have to start where we are and then hopefully move the that. needle a little bit. No, I get that. And I think... So if it's the difference between a kid... If you call it a GSA and the parent goes, what does that stand for? Gay Straight Alliance. Oh, hell no, you're not going to that. Mm-hmm. Don't you buy that t-shirt. Versus, you know, whatever they call it. Like sure. Prism or the parent may not immediately reject it just based on the title itself. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Choo-choo. I was going to mouthful. Yeah. On the <laughs> other end of that, like... I totally get that, and I think mm-hmm. that should be priority. Is like getting as many kids to benefit from it as they can and to feel safe. The other half of that is it feels like it's closeting it, and mm-hmm. like these kids already feel closeted. And so, but I mean, it's as long as within the club, like they get to be themselves and be seen. Like that's what they need. Yeah. So it's a, so the idea, right, is that we designate, create supply a safe space and that means that essentially like the people in that space either their fellow students peers and or teachers know what it is and they're safe within there so Mm -hmm. the people who know it make it a safe space and then others who maybe would not be like-minded it's not such an easy target but it remains a safe space and supported as such because everyone there no, so I mean that's kind of how we've had to exist as a community for a long time. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten us this far to marriage equality. It's sort of who knew that when you had to like in secret attend bars that were raided. Mm. 
just like just yeah. for being gay that we'd still be at a point where people in the same lifetime right yeah. Yeah. yeah marriage equality it just starts where it starts i just read stone butch blues this year i never mm -hmm. read it before that was that was a history lesson for sure yeah that was interesting one of the it was right before stonewall and like right after mm. Mm -hmm. So that talk about, and I'm not familiar with that book, did it talk about like the the people that kind of started that movement and, or not, how it happened? It was or? kind of separate from, so it was, it was um, I'm probably going to butcher talking about this, but um, <laughs> Leslie... She'll never know, she didn't read it. Is that right? I think that's the name, but mm -hmm. it's just about um, a, a lesbian in the, who's very young um, at the beginning of it and just... There and later they identify as they, but they they their experiences in the bars and like trying to find a community and like that found family, but the constant raids of the bars and I think there used to be that law that if you were wearing two, if you were a woman, like you had to have two woman identified pieces of clothing on or else you would be um, arrested. Mm -hmm. oh. Fine birds, yeah. Thank you, my assistant. <laughs> um, but just the, Angie has one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> but just the like the violence that they, oh, I mean, it was pretty graphic reading and just the constant violence and like mm. the idea and and it was a lot about like butch femme politics mm. and identity, which I thought was interesting, mm -hmm. um, because then it was so important to have the butch and the femme and like for it to mm. kind of mimic like a heterosexual relationship and I think that's interesting to hmm, back that on. Is. Mm -hmm. because now I feel like it's I mean I think there's still that pressure sometimes but I feel like it's not so much but yeah mm -hmm. but yeah it was that was a history lesson for me just to exist was so dangerous like publicly it was just yeah mm -hmm. it was yeah mm-hmm yeah yeah and, and thankfully I mean that Unfortunately, still happens today, but yeah. not quite as often as it as it used to. But it does still happen, and even in places that we we talked about it um, last week, you know, in places that you think of or you view as progressive, um, you know, you still have those few people that think different differently, and you know, aren't so nice, and things happen and I think you know what can we do just to be a little bit more visible and put it out there and and hopefully change some minds because of course you know we they, should have a podcast we should have a podcast <laughs> we, we should, should like share that. stories Would that work? people <laughs> but yeah. you know I mean because thankfully things are starting to change a little bit in, in the schools which is a very important place for these kids because when they're at home most of the time especially at their age they are now they're not at home they're at school right you know, and so now it's like, how do we change those minds of those parents, you know, of those students that they feel they can't be open with, you know, and and they feel like, well, if my mom and dad knew, they would kick me out of the house. Like, ah, right. You know, that's it's just, it's just such a, a tough way to live that will affect that will affect them for the rest of their life, you know, and you know, I think about that family of of my cousin's friend that, you know, realized too late. And that was just an unfortunate event. It wasn't someone taking their life because they didn't have anybody they could turn to. 
which happens so often yeah. in our community. Mm-hmm. You know, after living with this for so many years, or even as a young person in our community, just not seeing how it could ever get better. Um, you know, how do we, how do we as you know, people in this community, as maybe leaders in the community are doing what we do, how do we now start to to change that mindset in so many of the homes, you know, which is probably... We should have the, a podcast. Probably the toughest spot. Yeah, we should have a podcast. We should have a podcast. <laughs> we should have a podcast. And, like, yeah. have people on and let them tell their stories mm-hmm. because then the more stories, the more visibility, the more education, the more all of it. We mm-hmm. should have a podcast. Just think well, about it. Relatability. Relatability. Yeah, that one. That one. That one. Yeah. That's it. You call it like out in Arkansas. I mean, right? There's there's a name. Man, possibilities. It's crazy. Good brainstorming. Good brainstorming. Well, you know, thankful, so thankful for people like you that, again, you feel like maybe your your coming out story is a little bit privileged, but just that you had the courage. To, to do what you've done and be in the position that you are, you know, is to me is is huge. And I'm so happy for those kids that you that come in contact with you, that see that and are able to experience that and hopefully because of that, you know, has a better they have a better outlook on life or at least see a little bit of hope where, okay, it's gonna be okay. I'm going to be able to get through this. And that's that's big. That's big. So thank you. Well, thank you yeah. for providing, like, sharing these stories. I think that's so important, especially in, like, a community like Arkansas, mm-hmm. where it can feel really isolating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a fan of ours. Yeah. <laughs> right. A long-time fan. I heard a long-time fan. Long fan and long-time long listener. That's what I heard. That's what I'm taking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so maybe sometime we can have you both on together. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, so let's. So you're you're a poet. Yeah. Yeah, and so if if you like, if you had a, one of your poems or something to share with the audience, you want tonight, me to? Hear? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me. Let's, let's share. Give me a second. Let's share some. The classiest closing remarks we've ever had. I know, right? This is amazing. <laughs> We're going next level now. <laughs> Leveling We're up, doing people. It. Leveling up. Let me see. Okay, I think I have one. That'll be good. This will be the premiere. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah? Oh, We're oh. breaking it. Okay. Yeah. So, this is... Do you hold it? Sure. Okay. Just be careful, because you might hold that in my the bottom part. Can you hold it? So, you might have to hold it. Oh. Uh, so I just okay. kind of hold it like this. Okay. I'll just right. hold it for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my my top-notch uh, podcast recording equipment. So um, this is called GSA. Oh, nice. One girl lies and tells her mom she's in a culture club. One girl tells us about both times she came out, the first time as a gay boy. One student gives us a new name and pronoun to call them, but only at club meetings. One made rainbow cupcakes for a bake sale before her parents banned her from attending. One boy wears nail polish and eyeliner and reads us his poetry about boys and manatees. One student gifts us with a lesson on black activists on how intersectionality means no one gets left out 
One girl wears a suit to prom. One boy hovers at the doorway. One girl wears a gay-themed shirt every day. Her favorite one says, no one knows I'm a lesbian. One girl puts up club flyers, even if they get torn down. One boy keep, keeps reminding us that a pride day at school is a bad idea, that people will say things. I'm just being realistic. But they put on their rainbow attire anyway. I watch them roam the halls from my classroom doorway. Marquees of color splashed among the crowd. The day a student asked me in the middle of class if I was gay, I said yes, even though a teacher at a nearby school was fired for being a bride with another bride, even though later a conservative radio station would post my engagement photo online like a wanted poster, who better to prepare me, to teach me how to live life outside of a closet than the same kids who clap every time I say my wife, who gather around her picture on my desk like it's a holy grail, who were so desperate for heroes, they wore pride flags tied around their necks as capes, became the heroes themselves. Thank you for that. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Thank you for Thanks. that. Yeah. I, I can't, I don't know anything else to say. I think probably we can close in that. Yeah. yeah, that was. Also, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. That was the world premiere. World you premiere. heard it here first. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks, y'all. I'm so, I've never won fan. <laughs> we didn't. Yes. Yes. Again, um, you've been listening to Out in Arkansas. Thank you to our guest, Caroline Earlywine, for being here and for sharing your story and so much more with us. Um, this is Tracy and Angie, your hosts. Until next time. Bye. Bye.